Okay, we are learning Daf Mem Beis. We're starting from the bottom of Mem Aleph Amid Beis. And again, we're talking about this trip of red, of red wool that the Kohen Gadol would use um, on Yom Kippur. They would tie it between the horns of the Sar Mishdalech. And we're going to contrast that to the usage of red wool in other places in the Torah. So, Kiyasa Rabdim Rabbi Yofim Rabdim, he came, um, he's coming to Baba from Eretz Yisrael. So, he reported over what he heard from Rabbi Yochan in Eretz Yisrael. Shalosh Lashon Shamati. I heard about three different types of, uh, of, of, of red wool. The three places where we find it is it's used by Paraduma. They were thrown in the fire. The Sarmish Dalef tied around um, the horns. And the Mitzorah uh, was used as part of the process where he was, um, when the Mitzorah is purified also, the Torah identifies they are using the wool. So what are the different sizes, the different weights of these? One of them has a weight of 10 zuz. One has a weight of 2 slum, which is 8 zuz. One of them has the weight of, of, of only a shaka. However, I, can't, I don't know which one is which. So in other words, we're trying to figure out. Uh, he knows, he has the recalling, he has the memory that there are three different sizes, but he doesn't know which one to apply for which. So the Gemara says, so Rabban came, he came from Babel to Babel, so he was able to explain Rabbi Yochanan's statement. The weight of the para aduma one has to be ten zuz because we want it to to be very heavy so that it can fall into the burning. As we learned, that it should burn, should fall all the way deep into the fire. That implies that it has to have a weight that it can fall in. So that one is the heaviest one of ten zuz. So the red strip for the sarmishdaleach has to be enough to divide into two. Remember that um, it was divided into two right before they threw it off the cliff. It was cut into two. Half of it was put between its horns and half was put on the rock. So that one should be two slum, eight zuz, enough that you were able to divide it into two parts. For Shomitzar and Mishkal Shekel, for that strip of the Mitzar, you don't have either of those variables. You don't need a great weight for it to fall into the fire. You don't need a long length for it. So therefore, it could just be the weight of a shekel, which is just two zuz. You don't have a problem. So now we've understood the three weights. We have ten zuz, eight zuz, and two zuz. We're saying that the heaviest one should be the paraduma because it has to go into the fire. The next one, the sarmish dalash, should be eight zuz because it has to be split in two. And the one of the mitzvah, which doesn't have either consideration, could just be the size of two zuz. So the Gemara then tells us that there's a machlokas about this. Actually, there's a machlokas in Rabshimon Machalaft and the Rabbanan about the size of paraduma. One said ten zuz. That's what we had before. One says a Mishkal Shekel. What's the shot? He must hold, like we learned yesterday, that there's another opinion in the Tanam that actually it doesn't have to fall in deep into the fire. It doesn't require any significant weight. So according to that view, it would be okay if it was just uh, a shackle. So it's actually like totally opposing. Either it has to be the heaviest one, that it's 10 zos, or it could be the lightest one, that it's only ten, that it's only two zos. With Simanach, and the way to remember, who said what? We have this idea from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that sometimes it doesn't matter how much or how much it is. It could either be the, one, the biggest amount or, it could be the, or the smallest amount. The point is that your kavanah is l'shamayim. So the Gemara is saying so too here. It's for sure either the biggest amount or the smallest amount. Now, this Paraduma is either the 10 zos one or it's the two zos one. Um, it's for sure certainly not the middle size one. So it's either the heaviest or the lightest. Continues the Gemara. Different versions that no, they're not arguing about the weight of the paraduma one, but rather they're arguing about the uh, the weight of the sarah one. And why would that one particularly have to be bigger? So the Gemara doesn't give us a reason. Some of the Rishonim say that that because the miracle happened and the red wool turned to white, so we want to publicize that. We want it to be bigger. Uh, the, it should be the largest one. That's the consideration that perhaps the Sarmish Dalech should be the Tenzos because you want it bigger than just enough to make it divide into two, but you want to publicize the the fact that it's turning into white. That day that they argued about this, the Yeshiva Rabbi Kisti passed away, and they made like a way to remember it. In other words, this dispute 
with with the death of Rabbi Barakisi, they put it together. They said Rabbi Barakisi mechaper b'samishalech. His death is mechaper, just like we find by the he goat that sent off to the mishalech, because that's the idea of misa sadikim mechaper. So we're saying that uh, just we have a concept of misa sadikim mechaper, and he passed away on that exact day that uh, they were disputing in the base medrash what is the halacha regarding regarding the sar mishalech. So that was a way that they were able to remember that the dispute that they were having was in regard to sar mishalech, because they said that uh, the death of Rabbi Barakisi should atone just like this on Mishalach, so they were able to recall his death on that day. Okay, so now that we were talking about things that were reported and there was some element of uncertainty regarding what exactly was said, so now the Gemara gives us another example of like that, but again, it's 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 still kind of related to Yom Kippur, just moving to a different point here. So, Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, Shchito Shamati. Rabbi Yitzchak says that he heard that there's a difference between two different types of Shchitos. One was regarding the Shchita of the Para Aduma, and one is regarding the Shchita of the Kohen Gadol's bull on Yom Kippur. This is the one that we've been talking about that Aaron confesses over twice. So there's a distinction, there's a difference between these two shechitas, the shechita of the paraduma and the shechita of Aaron's par. Rav and Shmuel, and there's the machlokas between them, is between Rav and Shmuel. What is, uh, I'm sorry, achas bizar, I skipped. So one is kasher bizar, one is pasal bizar. In other words, in general, shechita is not considered an avoda and it's able to be done by a non-Kohen. So we're saying by the paraduma and, the, and, and, and by uh, the par of Aaron, we have to figure out if it meets the same thing. So one of them is follows that regular rule, that shechita is kasher bizar. But one of them is different. One of them we're going to see, it comes from Xerath HaKasov, that it requires that Azar does not shecht it. We're going to see exactly. However, I don't know which one is which. In other words, which one is valid by the non-Kohen? Is it the Para Aduma one, which is kosher by the non-Kohen? Or is it the Para on Aaron, uh, on Yom Kippur, which is kosher with the non-Kohen? So which one is it? So now the Gemara actually tells us that this issue is actually a dispute. Itmar was stated, Shkita's Paro Para, regarding this, Rav Shmuel, it's a dispute between Rav and Shmuel. Chadam Parah Psilo one says that the paraduma is not good if it's a czar, whereas the shita of the Kohen Gadol's bull is good with a czar. And one said the exact opposite. At the shita, the power of, Aaron, of Aaron's one is no good, and the shita of the paraduma is good. And we will see why we should say each way. So the Gemara first tells us, we, we just said it was Machalukas, Rav, and Shmuel. We didn't say who held which way. So the Gemara tells us, this time, we should prove that it's Rav is the one who says that the paraduma is no good if it's done by a czar. Rabzir said that the shechita, the paraduma, that is done by a czar is no good. V'amar Rav, Allah, when Rav was commenting on this, he explained, how did he explain it? He explained that the concept was, Allah which means that we say that since in the language, uh, the language that's used, it says Allah, which means that in the language that's used there in the uh, in the Pasuk, it seems to say that it was Dafka done by Elazar coin. So since the language is Dafka by Elazar the coin, so we say that the Pasuk is coming to say it's an exception to the general rule. Yes, it's true that generally Shechita is kosher with a with a czar, but here the fact that the Torah emphasizes Elazar, so if it emphasizes Elazar, we see it Dafka has to be done uh, by a coin. And we're talking about the Pasuk by Paradu and Parshas Chukas where it says that you give it to Elazar coin. So we're saying that chukah means an absolute din. It has to be this way. And that's exactly what we're saying, that there's a xeris hakosov here in this scenario, that it has to be done by, um, by, by, by a kohen. So now we see that Rav was the one who holds that para aduma is no good by a czar. And then by process of elimination, it must be that Rav is the one who therefore says that the para uh, on, that the power of Aaron could be kosher with the czar. So now the Gemara questions Rav. Rav, what's different about the paraduma that you say it's an exception to the rule that Shkita's chair bizarre and you say it has to be done by a coin because it says a lazar. So paronami aksiv Aaron v'chuka. You could say the same exact thing 
about the the power of the Kohen Gadol. It says Aaron in the language of Chukah. It says Vehikir of Aaron is Parachatos, and it says the, the lashon of Chukah by the Avodah of Yom Kippur. So we could say the exact same thing. We can make the argument that the Torah is indicating that the Shita has to be uh, Dafka done by Aaron. So if you're making that point by the uh, by the Paraduma that it says Elazar, so why don't we make the same exact point in regard to the Par? On Yom Kippur. So the Gemara tells us, Shkita lavavoda. No, we don't want to say that because even though it does say Aaron, we agree to that, but Shkita is not Navoda. So Shkita is not Navoda, it makes sense that Chukah is only going on Avoda, it's not non Avoda. So since it's not really Navoda to do Shkita, we assume that the Lashon of Chukah is not Ma'akiv and you don't need Aaron to Shecht it, or it could be done even by Azar. So the Gemara says, If that's what you're saying, that Chukah doesn't go on the things like Shkita because Shkita is not Navoda, she used to say the same exact thing in regard to Paraduma. We should say that the Alazar is not, is not, is not an absolute qualification that he does it and the reason we'll make that argument is because to make that argument for the para Yom Kippur why don't we make that argument for the para for the para Duma so the Gemara answer is shiny part para Duma is different because it's not a real carbon it's by the Kabai. So there's two categories of hektish. There's Karbonos, Kachim Mizbeach, and then there's non-Karbonos, things that belong to the treasury, the base of Mikdash, which is um, things which are by the Kabayis, things that are owned by the treasury. So things, the Gemara is saying that if it's by the Kabai, it's not a Karbon, so therefore it doesn't matter that Shkita Lavavodah. We're not talking about Avodah Spachlal. So who, if the Torah says Allah has to do it, we assume that it's going on Shkita as well. And we don't say Shkita Lavavodah is a reason why we shouldn't need a Kohen, because Bakhlal, we're not talking about a real Avodah to begin with. Paradumas Kachim by the Kabayis. So the Gemara comes back and says, It doesn't make any sense. If we're saying that Aaron, the Shkita of Aaron, of Aaron's Chattas, which is a real carbon, and you're still saying that the din of Aaron Bechuka doesn't go on Shkita because Lava Voda, then certainly it doesn't make sense for it to go on Paraduma, which is Bechlau, not a carbon. So certainly we should say it's good with a, with a non-Kohen. In other words, the Gemara is arguing just to the contrary. If you're dealing with Kachab by the Kabais, that's less of a reason to need it. In other words, if you're going to say by Para, by, 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 by Para of Aaron, which is a real carbon, nonetheless, since the aspect of Shkita, which is not a real Avoda, we're going to say it doesn't require Kohen. So then all the more so we should say that something which isn't really a carbon to begin with, Paraduma, the Shkita doesn't require Kohen. How does this make any sense? So the Mar says it's not necessarily true. It's no different that uh, if an, just just like a non-Kohen who would try to, try to look at Saras, he's not allowed to. It's not an Avodah. Meaning there are certain aspects that you need a Kohen even without the realm of bringing Karbanos. Karbanos are not the only time that the Torah requires in the usage of a Kohen. For looking at it, looking at Saras or something that's not an Avodah and the Torah still specifies there that only only Aaron is allowed to look at it. So maybe we have Xeris HaKasov in regard to Paraduma and nothing to do with Hechel's Karbanos. It's not going not a carbon, it's by the Kabais, but there's some exerts our that it's something that can only be performed by a coin, just like Taras can only be performed by a coin, no different than that. So that's why we say that we assume that it's only a Lazar who could do it, not a non coin. And when we get when we get to the par of Yom Kippur, so there it is a carbon, and there we should assume that the din of a chukah, which requires a kohen, is not going to go on the part that's not navoda. So it's like very ironic thing which emerges by carbonos, by by the par of Aaron, where the Torah is saying Aaron v'chukah. We assume it's not going on shkita, which is lavavoda, but by the par aduma, which is b'chal not navoda, and it's just by the kavai. Is there we assume if it says elazrak kohen, mistama is going on the whole thing. Why would we distinguish? It's b'chal not navoda to begin with. It's not a new din is that you need a kohen. So that is a clarification of Rob's position that the par aduma requires the shkita of par aduma requires a coin and the shkita of the par of Aaron on Yom Kippur does not. Now the Gemara comes back and examines Shmuel's opinion. Right? Shmuel is, it says the exact opposite. Shmuel's of the opinion that the para aduma 
does not require a coin, and Aaron's power does. So the Gemara says, Shmuel, 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 who said that the power of Aaron, if it was done by a non, by a czar, would not be kosher. Why are you going to say it's different? Even though Shlita generally lava vote, that's good. It's good if it's accepted by a non coin. But you're going to say it's different here because it says the Lashon Chuka and it says Aaron. So that's why you're going to say that the the, the power on, on on Yom Kippur can only be done by Aaron. So power nami except Allah's Chuka. So by the power Aduma also. It says Allah and it says Kuka. So we should say the same Zer Sarkasav of Kuka should go on should go on Para Duman. We should say that it's no good if it's done by Azar. So why if we're saying that Aaron Vahuka disqualifies Azar by the par by the par Yom Kippur, we should say that it disqualifies the Shita by the Para Duma as well. So the Kmar answers this Xer Sarkasav there that indicates otherwise. Shani also did say Bishakad Osalafanov. It says Allah is the one who is who's doing it, but then it says it should be Shaklin in front of him. So it presumably means Shaklin in front of Elazar. So Shaklin in front of him in front of El- Elazar is implying that Elazar is not the one doing the shkita. So we darshan from there. She is zarshokad Elazar that it's acceptable if a non kohen is shechting and Elazar is just supervising. He's just watching. Meaning the Torah goes out of its way, according to Shmuel, to indicate that the paraduma does not have to be shechted by Elazar, even though you would have said simply reading he's the one who's doing it. But the Torah says v'shachad also in front of that the shechting in front of Elazar that clearly indicates Elazar is not the one performing the actual shkita. So we have exeris akasav there that says. That it does not have to be done by Allah. For Rav, Rav held that Allah has to shock the power of How does he dash from Shakhro Sulafanov? It means something else. It means that there cannot be Hesachadasi. He has to constantly be, be thinking, be cognizant of the fact that it's a paraduma. What's the point of this? Rashi says that you're guarding it from, from becoming Tame or disqualified with other stuff. So there's a din, that it should always be Lafanov, even though it actually means Allah was making the Shrita according to, to Rav. But the, the din of Shachlosalafanov is coming to say that it should always be it should always be on 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 Aaron's mind that he's not he's not um, diverting his attention. So the Gemara says. So the Gemara continues. Shmuel Shleisiyah Daytuminale. How does Shmuel know? That the sheikh can't divert his attention. According to Shmuel, we're dodging shachar osalafanov that azar can shach. So how does Shmuel know that this din of that you can't divert the attention? So Mar says Shmuel is going to learn not from If he learns it from the pasuk by the sreifa, it says when Allah is doing the sreifa, he should do it le'enav in front of his eyes. What does that mean? It means that he shouldn't divert his attention from it. So we see the drasha by the sreifa that he has to be cognizant of it. So the Torah doesn't have to tell it to you by the shkita, but already told it to you by the sreifa. So according to Shmuel, we don't need the pasuk by shkita to tell you that he can't uh, can't divert his attention. So that's why we. In the pasuk by to say that it's kosher with the czar. According to Rav, why did Rav darshan it that he has diverted? They can't divert his attention by the shkita of the Torah already indicated that by the shreifa. It was necessary for the for the Torah to say it twice, one by the shkita and one by the shreifa. Shreifa was necessary because Rav says Rav. This is all Rav's view. Had the Torah only said it by the shkita, I would say Mishum Kfil Savod. He has to be that's to have his mind on. He has to be cognizant dafka b'shasta shkita because that's when the avodah is beginning. Avos shreifa imalo by the shreifa. It's already the end. It's not necessary. That's why the Torah had to say it by the burning as well. And the opposite, because Rachman Basifa had the Torah only said it by Sreifa that he has to, he can't divert his attention. Mishun Bahashim is Kashapar. I would say since this is the end, this is fun finally it's becoming fit. The whole point is the ashes that you're gonna get from the Sreifa. So the Sreifa is like the Iker. That's why he can't divert his attention. But just in the beginning the Shita, maybe that's only preliminary, it's not so important. It's not so important that he's not Messiah Das. I would say I would say it's okay. Sreifa therefore was necessary for the Torah to say he can't be Messiah Das even Bishas the Shita. So bottom line is what do we see? We see that Machlok is Rav and Shmuel about whether the Shkita, the Paraduma, is good if it's done by nine coin. And the question boils down to how we interpret the din of a Shachar Osolafana. Okay, now the Gemara says we've learned this din that the Torah is, is emphasizing you can't be Messiah Das. So, really, in general, Tosos and Rishonim explain the Gemara, really, in general, the Torah already said that it's supposed to be Le Mishmaris. The Torah says the word Mishmaris, which means that you have to guard it. So, it's kind of already a general idea by Paraduma you should guard it. And now, 
in addition, the Torah is emphasizing you should guard it again, either by the Shreifah or by the Shechita, according to Rav. So the Gemara says, the Mai. What is excluded? Clearly, we must be coming to exclude something. We're not just requiring Stam Hesachadas by the Shechita on the Shreifah. There must be also an exclusion that we're trying to make here. So the Gemara says, Maybe you'll say we're coming to exclude when you gather the ashes and you, and you um, fill the cup with water to mix them, so you'll say those parts don't require don't require das. But it says over there So we see that you have to be attentive over there. So what do we mean to exclude? We mean to exclude at the time when you throw in the cedar with the hyssop and the red wool, since that's not the part of the cow itself. It's not the actual purity. It's just something that is done while the cow is is burning. It's not the, the such an integral part of the ma'isa that that, that is machsher that's machsher the para. Therefore, at those times, there's no din of having das. You need b'shas ha'shchita, you need b'shas ha'shrefa, you need when you gather the ashes, you need when you fill the water, but you do not need this, this special cognizance and, and, uh, cognizance and awareness at the time when you're throwing the cedar wood hyssop and the red wool. Okay, so now we go back. Um, we went and we, to, to the discussion that we're having. We're having this discussion between Rav and Shmuel. What's the din shchita of... Uh, that's done by Azar for the power of Duma, that's done by Azar by the power of Aaron. So the Gemara now brings other Amarom that talk about this. It's Marshkita's power of Azar. What happens if the power of Duma shafted by Azar? If Ami Amr Chirav, Ami says good. says no good. Ula Amr Chirav, Ula said it is good. And some say that his view was that it's no good. So the Gemara clarifies now. A question from a Brisa. Master, if you show this, you have to Rab. You show Rab at a Kashan Shmuel from the Brisa to support the view of Rab. Because it says in the Brisa, in the Elizabeth, Meshing Shir and I would only know. That the sprinkling of, of the waters, where it's not good if it's done by a woman, we have a source that it's only good if it's done by a man. The sprinkling has to be done by a man. Therefore, it's only good during the day. In other words, basically, we're looking at the pasuk where the Torah is emphasizing that the sprinkling is the sprinkling is done by a man and it has to be done during the day. So the question is: Are the other aspects of paraduma, not the sprinkling, do they also have the same qualification that they have to be done during the day? So the brides are saying, I would say maybe only the sprinkling has to be done during the day because it can only be done by a man. So if I see the Torah strict in its standards of, of the gender, maybe it's strict as well at the timing. But now the rabbis kitas with a couple of stomachs. How do I know for all the other parts of the ritual? All the, the shrita and the Kabbalah, the dam and the sprinkling of the dam and the shrifa and the shlachas eitzarev. How do I know that all the other activities as well have to be done during the day? In other words, somebody could say that since those other things don't have to be done by a man, so maybe they could be done at night as well. So Talmud Lomar Torah, the Torah says the extra word Torah, Toshukas Torah, that comes to include that for all the other aspects are like the just like the sprinkling, just as the sprinkling has to be done during, during the day, so too all the avodas have to be done during the day. You would think that you should include that they, just as all these avodas have to be done during the day, so too for the gathering the ashes and the filling the water and the mixing the water and the ashes also has to be done during the day. So Torah writes an exclusionary word, zos, which limits it. So we're saying that the daytime thing does apply to certain things, but not everything. It applies to all the avodas of the uh, that we mentioned, but it does not apply to the gathering of the ashes in the water. How do you know to include the first ones and that they have to be done during the day, the shlita and the, and the catching of the blood, and exclude the other ones, the gathering, filling in the, of the water? How do you know they're excluded? In other words, we know one riba and one miyat. How do you know what to include and what to exclude? The answer is, once the Torah included some by saying Torah and excluded others by saying the word Zos, so we try to figure out, we try to figure out which ones 
require uh, daytime and which ones don't. We know some are going to, some are not. So we have to figure out ourselves. So I'm rich. We therefore say, Remember, where did the Torah actually say? What is the one place where it says explicitly has to be done during the day? The sprinklings of the water. So we say, Just as sprinklings of the water cannot be done by a woman, and therefore they're only good during the day. I'll include the shchita, catching of blood, sprinkling of blood, the burning, throwing the cedar wood, hyssop and wool. All of those things can only be done during the day. The reason is because those things are not kosher if a woman does it. Because by all these things, the pasuk says Allah or the word kohen, which is meant to exclude a woman. So therefore, those things are only going to be good during the day. However, I exclude the gathering the ashes, filling the water and mixing the washers with the water. Because since they're good by a woman like a man, they're kosher not only during the day, they're also kosher at night. So what did we just learn in the bride? So basically, we know that the sprinkling of the ashes the sprinkling of the water rather has to be done by a man, it has to be done during the day. And we know that some of the other avodas have to be done during the day and some can be kosher at night. Which ones do we apply? So we say whichever ones are like the sprinkling that they have to be done by a man, so those ones also can only be done during the day. But the ones that can be done by a woman, those ones can be done at night as well. And uh, that's the, the conclu- conclusion of the bride, so the point of the bride. So now, what does this have to do with us? So the Gemara says, I'm IT Yufta. Why is this a challenge to Shmuel? Again, our issue is could a czar make the Shlita? What, what does this have to do with us? If you say that we're, since we're saying the Shlita is no good by a woman, maybe it's no good by a czar also, you'll say that presumably a czar and a woman are the same are the same status. So if we're going to say that a czar excludes a woman, it should, include, it should exclude a czar as well. But that's not a good, we see that that's not true. Let's prove that the sprinklings of the water, that that demonstrates that, that, necessar- that those two points are not necessarily the same. Using a woman and using a czar are not necessarily the same. The sprinkling of the water are no good if a woman does it. The Torah emphasizes a man, but they are good if it's done by a czar. So maybe Shechita is also good by a czar, even though it's no good by a woman. So we have no challenge on Shmuel from the fact that we're saying a woman is no good for Shechita. That doesn't prove that a czar is also no good. So what is the challenge to Shmuel? This is the question. Isha, my time, but because what's the reason why a woman is no good? Because it says Elazar for Isha. It says Elazar. And then we have to say that the usage of the word Elazar is Badafka. Elazar is the one doing the Shkita and therefore it can't be a woman. So Zar Nami of Lazar Lazar. So then we say the same thing. If it's Elazar, then that would exclude the Zar. Because we basically remember, it said Vishakar Osalafana. So if it means someone else is shackling in front of Elazar then and, and Azar is good, then I wouldn't have the right to exclude a woman. Someone else is shackling. How do I know who that someone is? Maybe it's a woman. Must be Vishakar Osalafana for interpreting that Elazar is doing the Shkita, and that's why the woman is no good. So the Gemara therefore is concluding that we would have a proof that Azar is also no good. So therefore the Gemara seems to be saying that we have a proof, not like the opinion of Shmuel, that the Shkita of Azar by the Paraduma. Um, is good. Rather, we say that a lazar has to go into the shkita, excludes a woman, and it excludes a czar as well. So the sprinkling, it comes out, the Torah never specifies it has to be done by a corner, it could be done by a czar, but it has to be a man during the day. But the shkita, the Gemara seems to be saying over here, has to be done. Since it says a lazar, we're coming out like Rav Shita, it has to be done by a Kohen as well. Okay, so now we just, we see there's different parts of the Paraduma service, different things that happen. So now the Gemara starts darshaning different points here in the Pesukim. Um, the, the, in general here, like we, we, we kind of alluded to in the bride, so there are different, but we'll go through it here step, uh, step by step here. There are different parts in the service. So you have the paraduma, and then it says, Allah's our coin takes it out, there's a shkita, there's a catching of the blood, there's a sprinkling of the blood. Again, this is done on Shemina Mishka across from the Temple Mount. Then there's the, the burning of the paraduma. Then you have to take the Eitzar of Ezo, which and throw it in the burning. Um, 
Then there's the gathering of the ashes, the gathering of the water, the mixing of the ashes and water, and there's also the sprinkling itself. So there's a lot of different points here. So the Gemara goes through them. Amar Ula, Kala Parsha Kula, if you go through the, the whole Parsha Paraduma, you'll see that the conditions are often changing. Sometimes we say that a condition that's mentioned previously changes from Pasuk to Pasuk. Sometimes we say that the condition stays the same. You have to go through it step by step in order to really understand all the Dina by Paraduma, and that's exactly what Ula is going to do. Ula is going to go through this step by step until we get the halachas clear. So we start with the pasuk. We take the paraduma and satam osa alazar coin. You give it to alazar coin. So what does that mean? It to alazar coin. What's the word osa? Osa alazar velo dos alazar. The first paraduma had to be done by alazar dafka. Remember, alazar, the son of Aaron, he was the skana coin, the deputy coin. So he, deputy coin gala. So this original paraduma is done by alazar, but in the future generation, it doesn't have to be done by a coin who's like alazar. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily require it in the future. The first paraduma we say has to be done by the deputy, the deputy coin gala. But otherwise, it doesn't have to. What does it mean it doesn't have to? So the Gemara clarifies. Some people say it means for the future, you don't use the deputy, but for you have to use the Kohen Galdo. You have to use the, the highest coin to make a regular, a regular paraduma in the future generation. So other people say the Doris that for the future, it could just be a regular Kohen Adyot. Uh, so everybody agrees that the original one had to be done by Allah. But the question is, for the future, is it Dafka a Kohen Galdo or is it a Dafka a Kohen Adyot? So the Gemara says, We could understand that that, that the implication is that for everyone, for the future generations, a regular coin could do it because only here do we require El Azar. For the future, we don't require El Azar. Rather, any coin could do it. If it's for the future generations, you have to use a coin gadol. How do we know? We can't say that's implied in the Pasuk. Here, you use El Azar. Everywhere else, you use a coin gadol. You can't say that's dafka implied. So we must have some source. The answer is Gamar Chuka Chuka Miyam Kippur. We learn Xerah Shavu with the word Chuka. Just as here it says Chuka, and it had, by, by Yom Kippur it says Chuka, and it means by coin gadol. So to here, when it says Chuka by Paraduma, you dafka have to use a coin gadol. Continues the Gemara of Hotsi Osa. You carry it, only this one outside. Shalitza Acherzima. There's a din not to carry out another cow with it. You have to only carry out when you're taking it outside the base of Mikdash. Then you can only, to the Mitzvah, you can only carry one cow. Because it's not like the Mishnah teaches. What happens if the cow doesn't want to go? So how do you get it to go? So usually you bring another animal and you bring that one out and then that will cause this one to follow. But here, the halacha is, You can't take another black one. Because people are going to say they shakted the black one, which is no good. You can't take out another red one. We don't want people to say that they shakted two. Because it's, it's no good to shaft two. The Pasuk actually is mashma that you're not allowed to do that. <coughs> you cannot simultaneously do another avoda. So we're concerned that if we take out two at the same time, people are going to say, oh, they shafted two paradumas at the same time, which is no good. So because of this, people are going to say that Allah is you can't carry out two at the same time. And, and even if you're trying to get it out, that's the whole point. To motivate it to move, you're not allowed to take out two at the same time. Rabbi Yomar Lomana Shema said, that's not the reason you can't take out a second cow. It's Tamak Zeres Akasa, Mishim Shemar Osa Levada. It says Osa, which is Masma, only one at a time. So stop giving all these reasons. It's not based upon as far as what people are going to say. According to Rabbi, it's simply Xeris Akasa. So the Gemara asked, the Tanakama Osa, right? Why is the Tanakama saying reasons? The Torah said Osa, it's clearly just Xeris Akasa. Why do we have to give reasons for for what people are going to say? So the Gemara explains, Ma Tanakama, Rabbi Shimon, Dorish, Time of the Kra. The Tanakama is Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon has a style of learning. He's Dorish, Time of the Kra, which means that he expands. He expounds the what based upon the why, meaning he gives the reasons for the laws, and then he gives nafkuminos based upon the reason. So here the Torah says carry it out alone. Reb Shimon gives a reason why the Torah would say that, and therefore establishes a halacha based upon the reason. My bin, what is the, what are we trying to get to? What's the practical difference if you give the reason or you don't? If it's just exeris akasif, don't carry out another one with it, or if it's based on some sort of svara that people are going to say they shafted two at the same time. So as the Gemara, you can be now the difference is the apa kamar What if you carry out a donkey? 
out a, don- a donkey together with it. So according to the Tanakama, um, it's mutter because the whole the Tanakama is saying the whole reason why it's also is because people are going to say you're shechting too. But but here clearly everybody knows that a, a donkey is not a paraduma. So there's no there's no restriction on carrying out a donkey together with the paraduma. Whereas according to Rebbe that it's a, just Zeres Hakasa, we don't necessarily know the reason for why Hashem said not to carry anything else with it. Then we assume that the Isra ca- applies even to carry out a donkey. You can only ca- get the, take out the paraduma alone. You're not allowed to take out anything else with it. So that's the nafkamina based upon whether you're Dorishim or the Krah. So everybody agrees you can't take out another paraduma, but the question is why? If the reason is that what people are going to say, like Reb Shimon, the Tanakama, then it would be allowed to carry out a donkey. If we just look at it like Xeris Akasov, we would not be allowed to carry out even a donkey with it. That's the opinion of Rebbe.